What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Have you heard about Green Chef? Man, my family and I have loved Green Chef for a long time. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Go to greenchef.com slash willcole135 and use code willcole135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships completely free. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I'm a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian. My brand new book, Gut Feelings, is for pre-order right now. You can check it all out. You can learn more about the clinical work that we do, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, the books, the podcast, tons of free resources there for you as well all at drwillcole.com. That's C-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books every month. No matter when you listen to this episode, every month my team and I will be randomly picking winners. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And you can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself or you can take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram with that screenshot at Dr. Will Cole on Instagram. And either way, we'll be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every month. And I'll reach out to you. I'll ask, hey, what book do you want me, do you want me to send to you? I'll sign it. We'll send it out to you. You'll get a free signed book. That's all you have to do. So, you know, at the end of every regular episode, almost every episode, at the end of them, I'll answer one of your burning health questions and then ask me anything. But interspersed, peppered throughout the months are entire episodes devoted to your burning health questions. And this is the next one. I'm here with my team, my functional medicine telehealth team. On the patient side, we have two brilliant functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners who help me consult patients and clinically monitor people and coach people around the world. 
Emily and Megan. What's up, girls? Hello. Hey. <laughs> Good to be here as always. Yes. <laughs> and then on the other side of the clinic, we're, we're dealing with the head of patient liaison experience. <laughs> she's the and she's she's brilliant as far as patient experience and I would say c- patient care, patient support i want them pa- yeah, I want we, we can go with that we, we want patients to have the best experience <laughs> yeah, imaginable she's the heart she's the soul behind the clinic and she's here to be in many ways the every person because she's not on the clinical side but she's just like hey she's the average listener to the <laughs> podcast she knows the hearts and minds of people who are interested in this stuff mm-hmm. so that holly yeah. d is here that was the best introduction I've ever received in my life. I feel like you should be like, in the left wing. Because <laughs> yeah. if you guys could see this, no one can listen, see this right now on the podcast, but this is like a round table. It is, We're literally. In my actual office where I'm consulting patients 10 hours a day. And on the right side of me <laughs> yeah. is the patient team. And on the left side is Holly D holding yep. it down. I'm, I'm learning with y'all. I'm excited. Excited for this conversation. You'll learn so much. So we, we're going to go over your health questions. So submit your health questions, everybody. You can send them to drwillcole.com. Uh, message us there. What's the email, Halls? So it is drwillcoleinfo at gmail.com. All spelled out, drwillcoleinfo. At gmail.com. Yep. And you can also message us on Instagram, like I said, for questions, anywhere on social and we add them to a Google doc and we'll get to as many questions as we can in these episodes and, and at the end of every regular episode as well. Let's jump right into it. Yeah. Let's What's go. The first question? Let's do it. Okay. So this listener says, I love all caps listening to the podcast and I do have a potential question all about raw dairy. Is it safe, health benefits, cost versus benefit, etc.? I feel like this is a hot topic right now. It is a hot topic. Growing up in the health and wellness world, like my parents were interested in this and I was passionate about it at 14, 15 years old too, as a very strange kid. (laughs) (laughs) And we, I grew up actually going to the local farmer and it was like this underground thing where you'd have to put a couple dollars in the bucket (laughs) and it was like an honor system and you'd have to get your massive jugs of, you know, to fill up the milk out of this massive refrigerated vessel. And that's how we got our milk growing up. It was completely raw dairy, which technically in certain states is it's illegal. Illegal. There's like drugs that are more legal than <laughs> yeah. raw milk. Seriously. Yeah. And certain states aren't. Like you yes. could go to California and go to the grocery store and get raw milk, no problem. Yes. Interesting. So there's this antiquated, in my opinion, between certain states where you can get it in some but not others. It's many ways, I think, a war on local farmers and yes. has been mm-hmm. um, where you're just shoving these things underground similarly to the war on drugs, in my opinion, too. You, you, if you don't, people are still going to get what they want. Yeah. And you're just making it harder. And this is not a drug. This is a food that is yes. sh- why we making foods illegal. So let's talk about it. There's 
the benefits, there's actually com some compelling study. One is that raw dairy can reduce allergies. Studies suggest that children who drank raw milk are 50% less likely to develop allergies and 41% less likely to, to, to develop asthma compared to children who don't consume raw milk. A study, study published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology involved 8,000 children with various diets. And one of the conclusions that researchers made was that by drinking raw milk, children experienced, quote, naturally immunizing effects. So that's one to think about with allergies. Next would be improved skin health. There's multiple studies to show that can be a beneficial tool to consider. It contains healthy fats. Raw milk contains large amounts of healthy saturated fats and omega-3 polyunsaturated fats that support skin hydration. In fact, some people don't only consume raw milk, but they use raw milk as a moisturizer yeah. topically and take baths in it. Yeah. Goat, goat milk, soap bars are popular yes. around yeah. the bioavailable vitamin world. A. Yeah, yeah, as well. And it also contains probiotics. Probiotics in raw milk, because it's not pasteurized and homogenized, can kill off and help to, to balance bad bacteria. Because we know probiotics act as almost antibiotics because yep, they're right. regulators of the microbiome. And I think there's a good case to say that raw milk can help prevent nutrient deficiencies as, as well. According to the USDA, nearly 300 calories a day in the average American's diet can be attributed to added sugar or sweeteners. In comparison, when you're talking about nutrient density like raw dairy, fruits, vegetables, meats, all these whole foods, can contribute to to really good source of not only calories, but nutrient density as well. So things like magnesium, potassium, vitamin A, vitamin K. For example, one serving of raw milk contains 400 milligrams of calcium, 50 milligrams of magnesium, and 500 milligrams of potassium, which are really essential electrolytes, which is needed right. for energy levels and hundreds of different pathways in the body. The studies that show that raw milk can fight against H. pylori infection, which we see on labs quite a bit for people that have, because the whey proteins and the good bacteria that are in raw dairy can help combat these pathogenic and opportunistic, opportunistic bacteria. And then, you know, it kind of repeating myself, but many people have a lack of diversity in the gut microbiome. So this right. is one way to not only increase density, but also bacterial diversity in the microbiome. So those are my thoughts. And there are many other foods. If you're talking about, I think that the problem or the concern is having some pathogenic bacteria in and of itself, but there are many other foods that have bad bacteria that are not illegal in certain states. So yeah. this should not be... I mean, you look at the news and talking about mm -hmm. different vegetables, raw vegetables, yeah. giving people salmonella or E. Yeah. coli. Not, <laughs> There's a big wisteria outbreak. Yeah, they're yeah. not making spinach illegal. Right. And what do you all think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at it as, you know, the whole food of it, right? I think that you see all of these nutrients that it's packed with. And when you pasteurize the milk, I mean, you're denaturing these things. Yep. And I think, too, we all... You know, I, we gave up dairy. You know, when I had my kids, we didn't. We have they have not really grown up on milk because we have a lot of like the the nut milks. But even those, you look at those, they're gonna have tons of additives and stuff in them too. So we ended up just getting an almond cow because it was like, hey, I feel like I didn't have a 
ton of great options. But actually, just recently, my kids started having some raw milk. And, you know, to me, it's like, well, if they're going to have it, at least have the raw, you know, the the raw form of it, because it's the whole food version of it. And so I feel like if you can get it, you know, why not try it at least? And for some people who are dairy sensitive or dairy intolerant, they might actually be able to have it. You know, it's not a one size fits all type of thing, but you may actually find that you can have some of it and it works. And if you can't, then try the goat's milk. I mean, yeah. And like you said, for the skin health, I remember like when like the St. Ives and like all the skin scrubbing brands were really like popular and then <laughs> and they, they found like out. G- ripping their skin yes. with black water. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it was literally like microscopic plastics that were yes. ripping your skin off. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And these natural levels of lactic acid in the goat's milk, which acts as an exfoliator without literally acting as little razor yeah. blades tearing off your skin yeah. cells. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even like the glutathione levels that are that's yes. found in raw milk too yep. that can be denatured yeah. during that heating process. See if it works I, for and you. And that's helping excrete toxins from your body. And yes, granted, you know, a lot of these nutrients you're going to find them in other foods too, but this is if you're going to have the milk like I said, why not just go for the one that's going to be the best yeah, option? And see if it yeah. agrees with you. The CDC reports that there are an estimated 48 million foodborne illnesses diagnosed each year. Get this. Of these 48 million illnesses, only about 42 total, that's 42, about 0.0005% each year are due to consumption of fresh unprocessed there we raw go. milk. So this is like what one person looked at that data mm-hmm. and it's it's they they found that your chances of becoming hospitalized from a bacterial illness caused by raw milk is three times less than your chance of dying in a plane crash. Yes. So it's they're not making plane planes illegal. No. They should not oh. be making this food illegal. Seriously, right. I remember literally being in college though and like our, my nutrition 101 classes and they'd be like you know raw milk is terrible you should never have that don't give it to your kids like it literally was the devil honestly yeah. like it was, it was made like you're giving your yes. kids cocaine yeah. yes yeah oh my gosh i mean i've i've known nothing about it you're over here learning about it when you're a young young child yes. i knew nothing yeah i would need to get my hands on some raw milk <laughs> yeah yeah so it's not legal in every state but I'll, uh, it's more and more accessible i would say than yes. it was like 10 it's years ago, 20 or 30 years illegal. ago. Yeah. They make, or, or they make it very hard to get, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of red tape and regulations yeah. around I'll it. I'll get you some holes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want some goat milk. Yeah. You got the do you have a raw, yeah. milk, raw milk dealer? Yeah, right. I do. I do. <laughs> it's legal in Pennsylvania. It's hard to find. Is it legal anymore? It is legal in Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. It is raw milk sales are legal in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Does yeah. it taste the same? Like, what's the vibe? It better. Honestly, it tastes better. Oh. I feel like, you know, I haven't had real milk in ages, yeah, but no. I tried a little bit of my kids the other day and it was I mean I thought it was really good like it, huh. it yeah so really good but yeah I'll, I'll hook you guys I up. Hook us up. up I think there's some raw goat's milk there too yeah, so. yeah. Hook and, it up. and I, I'll say this real fast before we move on is that I've pe- I have seen clinically I've seen people do raw goat's milk fasts and just have the raw goat's milk and it really be yeah. restorative to the gut microbiome yeah. calming wow. their immune system yeah. So there's a lot of ways that this is used within the wellness world. And the Weston A. Price Foundation, look them up. I mean, they do a lot of information and education mm-hmm. around topics like raw milk. Yeah. So, Very cool. Some good resources there. Music to my ears. Anyone not know what that is? That's the best kind of notification. Shopify makes it super simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. 
With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. As most of you know, this podcast is an outpouring of what I'm passionate about. It's about functional medicine, my patients, wellness, nutrition, all the science around this stuff. And part of that passion also involves sharing things with people online that I'm really, that I love and that I've seen be a massive improvement in my life and in my patients' lives. And we ask quite frequently, if I don't have a functional medicine doctor, what are some direct-to-consumer things that I can have in my life to improve my wellness? And that's why over the years, we've put out really game-changing things for people's wellness on drwillcole.com. And I use Shopify to provide people these amazing tools for their wellness. I am a Shopify user. I love it. It makes running e-commerce so simple, very effective. It's very intuitive for myself and my team. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash willcole, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash willcole to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash willcole. Next question. All right. So I've got the next question. This comes from a listener. They said, I have read a lot of good things about black seed oil, but never hear you or anyone on health podcasts talk about it. What is your take on black seed oil? All right. So black seed oil, it's first of all, it should not be confused with regular because it's it's known as black cumin seed oil. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of that terminology is, is used interchangeably. Black seed oil or black cumin seed oil. Uh, it is different than regular cumin. It's a completely different plant family. But it is black seed oil, black uh, cumin is nigella sattvia. And it has a lot of, I would say, historically traditional uses. And there's some clinical trials, but I think the reason why it's not talked extensively about is there's so many, many other natural medicines or herbs, botanicals, plant medicines that have a lot of data around. And this has some, but not a, I would say a stellar amount of it. There's studies to show that it can, it may be beneficial for people with asthma and there one study specifically that showed a boiled extract of the seeds improved asthmatic symptoms in one study of 29 asthmatic patients. It reduced the frequency of asthma symptoms, wheezing, improved lung function over a three-month period. The patients who took black cumin seed extract also had reduced need for additional medications and inhalers. That's really cool. Another placebo-controlled study of 80 asthmatics had similar results in the study black Black seed oil taken by mouth for four weeks improved asthma control. Scientists also observed a trend in lung function improvement. 
Other studies to show that it may be beneficial for people with diabetes and decreasing insulin resistance. Several large analyses on thousands of people suggested that black seed may be a good complementary strategy for keeping glucose or blood sugar levels in check, especially in people with type 2 diabetes. It helped lower both blood glucose and blood lipids, possibly with long-term benefits by also reducing A1C levels, which is the three-month average of your blood sugar. In a study of 60 patients with insulin-resistance black seed oil of five milliliters every day, improved fasting blood sugar levels. However, he was only here it was only given as an add-on to glucose and lipid-lowering medications. So there's some studies that put makes it in conjunction with other medications. There are different mice and rat studies, your favorite halls, <laughs> <laughs> you villain. In rats, Love black them. human seed extract helps sensitize the muscles to insulin and activated energy balance pathways, like the AMPK pathway, which is like a pro energy, pro-antioxidant, yep. pro-longevity pathways. So, and then there's other studies for high blood pressure. It may be beneficial as well. So yes, do I, do I think it can be a, a tool because of its antioxidants, because of its polyphenol amount? Yes, I, I, do, think, I do think it could be a good tool. What do you all think? Yeah, I agree. I actually did some research into this because it's not something I have in my toolbox. And I like to be more selective because we talk about like the supplement graveyard that we all have had yeah. where it's just like yeah. so many supplements and you're like, what do I really need on a daily basis? And there was some really good research, limited research about how it can be very helpful with regards to like hospital superbugs. Like we see like MRSA and various things like that where people who are in hospitals and they're getting the help they need, but they can be exposed to these hospital superbugs that antibiotics don't always touch right? because they're antibiotic resistant. When used with the black seed oil, it can help to get rid of it and strengthen your immune system at the same time. So again, it's something I would keep in my toolbox, but I don't think it's something I would take every day. Yeah. No, I feel the same way about that because I do think it's it's great to have these different tools, especially, you know, if, if you are trying to build immunity or or, you know, different seasons, maybe mm -hmm. we go through different times of needing that. But I don't think, you know, I think sometimes we we try to look for like the end all be all type of product. And yes. really we have to just keep in mind that the research is important, not just, you know, looking at things on Instagram or TikTok and being <laughs> like, yeah, I'm bringing this in, like making sure that you're getting educated about it, but two, you know, it's it's a tool. It's it's not yes. the end all be all. But I think that we have to kind of look at life that way. I think sometimes we have to unlearn that thought process mm -hmm. a little bit. I love that you just said that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think this is one of those things that for years has. I don't know what it is, but it's like we get asked a lot black cumin seed oil quite a bit, and yeah. I think it's it is like a social media wellnessy thing that makes very broad sweeping extreme yes. statements like this told me the magic cure all I'm paraphrasing yeah. you know what I mean it's made to seem mm -hmm. like it is right. like this yeah. magic pill yeah. or whatever supplement they're selling online yeah. which look there's some data around it being beneficial right. but like you said it's a tool within the toolbox yep. in the right. context with the larger load of nutrient dense yeah. diet I forgot to mention there's some evidence to show that it may be beneficial for male infertility in a single oh. small study of wow. small study of 68 infertile men a daily intake of five milliliters which is around one teaspoon of black seed oil for two months improved semen quality without adverse effects and then in diabetic rats, 
you know, all those rats <laughs> yeah. have <a> faster. <laughs> they give them diabetes. I love it. They try to cure the diabetes. <laughs> yeah, I love them. I do. <laughs> Black seed increased testosterone. It also improves sperm quality and motility in another rat study. So you have some- Those rats ha- are ready to go. Horny rats. <laughs> <laughs> that also have- Diabetes. <laughs> 40 diabetic rats. Oh. There are there's several studies. Oh my gosh. Holly, it sounds like a good time, right? <laughs> Holly's like, I'd like to adopt them all, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sounds like a party, Holly. Huh? It does sound like a party. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. Listen to past AMAs if you're looking for context of that. We have quite the mice study. Yeah. Holly, what did you say? You said the naughty rat. Yeah. Little naughty boy. <laughs> All right. So our last question, um, this person said, I have found that when I am in a solid state of ketosis, my breath is horrible. I eat a clean, low sugar, medium protein, high fat diet, and I intermittent fast typically in a 16, eight or 18, six window. I can feel in my body when my breath is bad and I've tried taking probiotics, drinking extra water, mint tea, etc. The only way to end the bad breath is to eat something. What is going on? So when someone's in ketosis, there's what's called keto breath that happens for some people. And there's probably different causes of it. My assumption is, well, let's talk about the main one, I guess, first, is that it may be a result of ketone production itself. But normally that's described not as bad, but a fruity breath, which is weird, right? But yeah. beta hydroxybutyrate, breath acetone, these, these ketones can be smelt coming from the breath and they can have a fruity type smell. So that's pr- may not be what this person's ex- describing because it sounds like it's not a fruity, which is typically people think they'll notice it because it is so strange, mm-hmm. the fruity breath. But the what I do think could happen for a lot of people is shifts and die off in the microbiome, the gut, gut microbiome, but also the oral mouth microbiome as well, is what they're in, where they're not consuming sugars and carbs that break down into sugar and their body's shifting. Their microbiome's shifting, just like their metabolism and the mitochondria fueling source is shifting too. And I could see this being sort of a die-off Herxheimer type response because their body's microbiome is going through changes. And that could be the case as well. So, I I mean, this if it is caused by either one of, if it's caused by the die-off of the oral microbiome, the gut microbiome, it may be the fact it, it, that would be temporary. I would assume it's something that you could maybe alleviate doing some oil pulling, some mouth rinsing, maybe using some essential oils with coconut oil, mm-hmm. rinsing yeah. your mouth, spitting yep. it out. That could be one way to support a healthy oral microbiome. Another thing to think about too is someone that's not eaten this way and then going to eat this way. A lot of people have hypochlorhydria, decreased hydrochloric acid. So that just popped in my mind too. It's that there, there maybe there's some mild putrefaction of meats and proteins if they're not used to, used to eating all of this food, and then they're eating more meats and heavy 
harder to digest foods if you don't have proper HCL stomach acid production, where maybe you're smelling, it's kind of gross, but it's the actual, the food's not fully digested, digesting and absorbing, and you're smelling that fermenting food. <laughs> I mean, that's in, a bummer. Yeah, yeah I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, that could be the case too. So maybe at that point, think of digestive enzymes, betaine HCL with pepsin, ox bile. Those are some things that can help break down those foods while, look, the longer term, allowing your gut time to adjust to break down and digest and absorb those foods, that functional hypochlorhydria could improve over time, but aiding your gut in the meantime with digestive bitters or something like that can be um, a consideration as well. So it could be all three of those things in my mind. Can you guys think of anything else? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that in general, like my, my, just question that I have, you know, is that the only thing that you're seeing? Maybe, maybe that's the most prevalent sign, but maybe if the gut is, there is some other distress going on, are you having any other GI symptoms that could at least pull this together a little bit more, yeah. give a little, paint the picture a little bit better. And that's where labs I think can be helpful mm -hmm. too, to see if there is anything specific. Yep. Megan, I knew you were probably going to bring that <laughs> I up. I was literally thinking but, yeah, I wonder like even just thinking, cause that's all connected, right? You know, looking at, you know, that's where digestion is starting right yes. within the mouth. And so I wonder if maybe there is something going on, but maybe that's just the most prevalent one that we notice because we're obviously going to notice that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that is something that we, you know, can have a lot of feelings about is, yep. you know, hey, is my breath smell okay or not? And yeah. so I wonder if there's anything going on that maybe getting some labs could be really helpful on to see. I agree. You know? Yeah. Because there's a lot of research that shows that when we sleep, you know, our body is emitting these toxins and especially through our tongue and our mouth. And if we are constantly, say you live in a home that is moldy, say you have a job that exposes you to yeah. these VOCs, these volatile yeah. organic compounds and chemicals, and you're detoxing through this process, but then you are retoxing with exposure. Yeah. If we don't have those labs to see what is the exposure and what is the level, you might be in this endless cycle of my body's trying to detox, but now I'm retoxing. So yeah. that's where when you said labs, yeah. I was like, yes. And I love preach. that you brought up the oil pulling too and things like that, because if you're supporting this change in your your gut and your mm -hmm. microbiome, like let's support our oral microbiome as well and our oral health, you know, whether that's using some coconut oil to do some oil pulling or yep. even just look at the products you're using with how mm. you're brushing your teeth, your mouthwash, like that's tons of mouthwashes thing. out there actually stripping and they're not the good supporting. Bacteria, yeah. Like, yeah. Max so, Lugavere, I think, and you talked about this and mm -hmm. there's a lot of science behind these traditional mouthwashes yeah. and how they're, it's like, an, it's like an antibiotic for your mouth. Like it's killing off mm -hmm. the good bacteria with some of the bad yeah. bacteria. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of breeding dysbiosis yes. of the oral microbiome. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. So those are some that's some thought, food for thought. Yeah, for the, whoever asked that question. All right, now we're going to jump into science corner, guys. So you can imp you can impress your family and friends around the holidays <laughs> or any time of the year that you listen to this episode. You will be able to just cite some studies and sound like super erudite, super distinguished, super academic. Ooh, uh, what's the first? <laughs> what's the first study? This one's a good one for conversation. Okay, so this says dogs can discriminate between human baseline and psychological stress condition odors. So basically, dogs can smell when we're stressed, which is fascinating. And I've seen this with patients, I have to say. And patients will think, oh, my dog's just stressed. And then I know the person yeah. that's saying this. I'm like, no, that support dogs absorbing your stress. <laughs> yes. You know what I thought? I thought to myself after reading this, I was like, if my dog 
dog can smell how I'm stressed. Why can't my husband? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Come on, Nick. <laughs> That's so funny. I love you. Come on. <laughs> well, he's not a dog. Get it right. Oh, um, because they choose to smell what they should. Shouldn't. <laughs> You're like, what? You're stressed? No way. <laughs> but the study uh, odors emitted by the body constitute chemical signals that have evolved for communication primarily within species, but given dogs' remarkable sense of smell and their close domestication history with us, and they're used to support human psychological conditions such as anxiety, panic attacks, people with PTSD, researchers wondered whether dogs could be sensing chemical signals to respond to their owner's psychological states. In the study, the researchers collected samples of breath and sweat from non-smokers who had not recently eaten or drank. Samples were collected both before and after a fast-paced arithmetic test, a math test, along with self-reported stress levels. In studies, let me just say, sidebar, they normally do make people do speaking in public or some sort of annoying math test, which stresses most humans out, because I can, I can, uh, I can I, that would stress me out. I would be stressed. Yeah. <laughs> I would not want to do so math. They, they measured heart rate. They measured blood pressure. Samples from these participants reported an increase in stress because of the task and experienced an increase in heart rate and blood pressure during the task that were shown to train dogs within three hours of being collected. Four dogs of different breeds and breed mixes had been trained using a clicker as well as kibble dog food to match odors in the discrimination test. At testing, dogs were asked to find the participant's stress sample taken at the end of the task while the same person's relaxed sample taken only minutes before that stressful test was also in the sample lineup. Overall, dogs could detect and perform their alert behavior on the sample taken during stress in 675 out of 720 trials, which is a 93.75% of the time, much greater than expected by chance. The first time they were expected to participate in stressed and relaxed samples, the dogs correctly alerted to the stress sample 44% of the time. The individual dogs ranged in performance from 90 to 96. There were some high-performing dogs there. Uh, but an average about 94. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what? If they did this study on cats, it would be cats probably have the same ability, but they just don't, don't care. Yes. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so, yes, it's, it is interesting and it, we don't, yeah. and then you think of humans on a subconscious level. Can when you, you can kind of tell, like the energy shift mm-hmm, in the room. How sure. much are you picking up on that level? Right. Yeah. 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 You don't even know it. The dogs are just a lot more t- intuitive, and it's a lot more intense yeah. with animals. Yeah, I believe it. Animals. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's, but it's so cool to to kind of see and yeah. have some understanding behind that too. And, yeah. And and I love what you said there too, Doctor Cole. Like, if animals can do this, obviously, like we have right. that ability too, right? Yeah. But you know, do are we like cats, Megan? Like, do we not care? Is there? But I'm yeah. sure there's environmental factors that maybe, you know, cause us not to maybe be as aware anymore either yes. too. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I can sense when others are stressed. Like it's super <laughs> off. You're pretty intuitive. I, I am, but yeah. like I can tell when you're stressed. I want a dog. This really like only revs me up more to wanting a dog. Like, mm. yeah, like mm. I want it to know me. Oh. <laughs> what would you Pop name your dog? 
Molly. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> she's got a name. <laughs> <Flinch. laughs> I'm Molly and Holly. Molly and Holly. Molly and Holly. Oh, 100%. Holly. That sounds like a children's cool. book that I would totally read. Uh-huh. M-O-L-L-I-E. If you Just would like, like to support Does a dog find email Holly at... Please. No, but it's all serious. Why don't you want a dolphin? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is a common conversation. So we were on a work trip once, a few of us. Holly wasn't there. The patient team was in Orlando. I was speaking at the biohacking conference, and Megan brought it to our attention. I did. I have a, I well, know a lot first, about a little I, with weird stuff. I feel like <laughs> well, you have to understand, which I'm sure you do already because you know Dr. Cole, but like we have this weird obsession with animals and just talking mm-hmm. about animals and researching about animals. And I don't even remember, Megan, how did this even come up? Like, so this is in the 19th. 70s, right? Yeah, I think because I just recently, my husband and I find very weird like documentaries, especially like anything involving like animals, like history, like stuff like that. And I knew Dr. Cole loves dolphins. No, and whales. no whales. 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 Sorry. But whales. It's tangentially yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, I mixed the two up. That's yeah. bad. But <laughs> And I was just talking about how certain animals are very intelligent and Dolphins, especially it's Peter the dolphin, and I think Peter. her name was Margaret. She was like a NASA scientist, and they are, they were actually studying that they could communicate back and forth, and they found that this dolphin was falling in in love with her. And oh my god! Yeah. So <laughs> this documentary, which isn't very long, no, it's on YouTube. You, you can YouTube. find it somewhere. In this woman was having an affair with a dolphin, and yes. I don't know, was it? Was it some? Was it the dolphin? Dolphin wanted her back. Yes, the dolphin, because the dolphin was more in love than yes. with her because she looked at it as just, research. She said, yes. However, it was a so. Did she? It was a sexual affair. Did she it was a sexual love, relationship. Did she ever say that she had feelings for the no. dolphin? No, she know. was like, I was just this performing fully, a service yes. for the dolphin. Yes. <laughs> Yes. But they, yes, it, they, she was very intrigued, but it was from more of the scientific yes. standpoint. Where Intriguing to say the Peter least. was falling in love with her. Then there's, there was a tragic ending. There, it was very tragic. Rest in peace, Peter. Rest Peter, in peace. He committed suicide, he basically. Did. She left him, and then he didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that makes you think, like, uh, do all decision. dolphins feel and think that way? Like, I don't know. No, I don't think so. Oh, uh, <laughs> she spent 24 hours a day with this dolphin. Like she literally I mean, lived. Like she converted. She be, I mean, that's verging on bestiality. I yes. mean, it's really. It's, I mean, 100%, you could be. Percent. If you're gonna pleasure a dolphin, yes. Like sis, that is not an act of service. <laughs> so you you wouldn't date a dolphin. <laughs> no, but like Margaret's <laughs> over here getting dolphins to fall in love with her. Over here, I mean, single. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, well, you didn't go to SeaWorld lately. <laughs> I was going to say. That's true. You got to buy your uh, We're planning to work. The dating apps don't work. It's always There's always SeaWorld. We're planning a trip to the zoo next week. Okay, that's it. Are there any single dolphins? Yeah, is it just dolphins? <laughs> can can, I, get can I get a giraffe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, an orca? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next All right. study. Next study. I'll reel us yeah, in. Megan, we I'll need you again. All right. So this next article that we're going to talk about comes from Brigham and Women's Hospital, and it is late isocaloric eating increases hunger, 
decreases energy expenditure and modifies metabolic pathways in adults with overweight and obesity from cell metabolism. Dr. Cole, you want to take us away here? Yes. It was published in Cell Metabolism, like you said, Megan. This was done on people that had a BMI, a body mass index, in the overweight or obese range. Each participant completed two laboratory protocols, one with a strictly scheduled early meal schedule, and the other with the exact same meals, each scheduled about four hours later in the day. In the last two to three weeks before starting each of the in-laboratory protocols, participants maintained fixed sleep and wake schedules. And in the final three days before entering the lab, they strictly followed identical diets and meal schedules at home. In the lab, participants regularly documented their hunger and appetite, provided frequent small blood samples throughout the day, and had their body temperature and energy expenditure measured. To measure how eating time affected molecular pathways involved in fat burning and fat building, or how the body stores fat. The investigators collected biopsies of fat tissue, adipose tissue, from the subset of participants during laboratory testing in both the early and late eating protocols to enable comparison of gene expression patterns, levels of be between these two eating conditions. Results revealed that eating later had profound effects on hunger and appetite-regulating hormones, leptin and ghrelin, which we measure leptin on every patient, which influences our drive to eat and our cravings, specifically levels of the hormone leptin, which, singles, which signals satiety were decreased across the 24 hours in the late eating condition compared to the early eating conditions. When participants ate later, they also burned calories at a slower rate, and exhibited adipose tissue gene expression towards increased adipogenesis and decreased lipolysis or fat burning, which promotes all of these pathways. Notably, these findings convey converging physiological and molecular mechanisms underlying the correlation between late eating and increased gaining weight, obes obesity risk. So I think this is a really good study to show the tool, the role that the tool of time compressed feeding or time restricted feeding could have on our metabolism. If you have weight goals, if you have other goals, what do you all think? I think this is huge. I think it opens the doors for a lot of other research because I know I, like Emily said, like coming from certain educational backgrounds and stuff. If you took a traditional nutrition course, it would be like, it doesn't matter when you eat. It's calories in, calories yeah. out. It doesn't have any effect yep. on your metabolism or anything like that if you eat at 11 o'clock at night right before you go to sleep. And I was always like, there's something wrong there. Yes. So the fact that we're actually starting to study this and question it, I'm excited about this. Yeah. So it's not about w just what you eat, which of course matters, but it's also when you eat that plays a role as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, just finding what works best for you, just encouraging people like, hey, let's, let's, see what type of, um, you know, window is going to work best for you. You may have, it may take some time to figure out, but I also think too, it's uh, the research is showing that it's beneficial. So yeah. why not at, le at least explore, especially if you've had a hard time yeah. really, you know, you know, with some of these goals that you're wanting to work on. So, mm -hmm. and this is a tightly controlled study. They controlled for confounding yeah. variables like caloric intake, like I mentioned, physical activity, I mentioned sleep, 
light exposure. So it, I, they really narrowed it yeah. down that it was yeah. the timing more than anything else that played the role yeah. in it. And this study, there's some, they said the study cohort included only five female participants. The study was set up to control for menstrual phase, reducing confounding, but making recruiting women more difficult. So they took that in consideration yeah. as mm-hmm. well. So I think more studies, bigger studies, larger studies yeah. out of this one really could come to be to really look yeah. at our sleep and our how are we prioritizing sleep and eating in that sleep-wake cycle and how that impacts our hormones and metabolism. Yeah. Very interesting. So we went through two studies. We got through some AMAs for you all. You know how we end every Ask Me Anything episode. It's a 90s throwback song just to lighten up your day because we know music is medicine and laughter is medicine too. I don't know if this is a 90s song, but Meg, I feel like this is just the song that has just come upon me, okay? Okay. Saying it so. Do you know what? <laughs> no. Don't that's yes. Weezer. Yes. Are you yes. kidding? Yes. 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 Weezer. Anyone else no. want to co- go there with me? No, I don't know. Yes. I do. Yes. Yeah. Saying it so. I yes. just say, I mean, is a heartbreaker. 1994. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Do you yeah. not know that, Dr. Cole? Oh, come on. Weezer. I'm like 90s R&B. Do you know any R&B? <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. Like, I don't see nothing wrong. Isn't R. Kelly canceled? You can't sing that. Yeah, yeah but some of his songs, yeah, I mean, can... this might be controversial, but like, are they canceled? <laughs> yeah. I just take comfort no. in the like, role that like, hopefully he did not create them. Like he's the yeah. one singing yeah, them. Yeah, that's maybe so true. We're didn't. gonna run. Yeah, hopefully yeah. I'm not giving him any royalties. So, I'm sure you're giving you're him right. something. You're right. It but. is hard to think about that song. <laughs> I'm thinking about him. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Bad actions, but good songs. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. That'll be his next album when he gets out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Which will probably so be So that's never. your homework. Listen to Weezer. <laughs> yes. All right. I would recommend the Teal album. It's a whole album where they did like covers of other songs. And some of them are like R&B songs. That okay. used to be my yeah. Wait, was a Teal album? The Teal album by Weezer. It, that came out not in the 90s. It was like 2000. But Weezer did R&B? So literally, this is really cool, but the Teal album by Weezer is just like covers of other songs. Like they sing like Toto's Africa, Take On Me, No Scrubs, Billie <gasps> Jean. Oh, oh my God. Yes. We need to listen to their It's a really good that album. Yes. That's like my, my favorite Weezer album is one where it's not even their own music. Sorry, Weezer. <laughs> How about, well, before we go, before we go, I was taking a Peloton class and they were doing a 90s, I think it was a 90s R&B class. And this is probably this, this lady that was in her, maybe 20s or something like that. I mean, she was, she was doing the ride and she's, and No Scrubs came on from T, by TLC. Classic. And yes. she, she was, she gave kind of a humorous disclaimer to our world today. She said, because the whole song's about like living with your mom and like yes. not like providing. Don't pick that guy up. Yeah, but yes. she's like, she, she's a, she was a British uh, instructor. She said, it's okay. It's a different time today than it was in the nice. If you're living with your mom, it's okay. The economy's not good. I, oh I was going to say, if you're saving up for that house or taking care of her, I yes. respect Inflation, baby. You can be a scrub. Stop. That <laughs> is amazing. I mean, that just says everything about our world today. Yes, like, truly. Uh, uh, like yeah. it was like it was uh, yes, it 500 does. years ago that song was oh written. my gosh alright anyways so if you want to learn more <laughs> yeah props to DLC rest in peace 
least the left eye. Yes. Lopez. Yes. And sad. That is very mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about that house? Lisa Left Eye. I didn't realize that was her name. She was oh. the L and T L C. Left Eye. Like Left yeah. Eye. <laughs> she was blind in her left eye. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. I'm oh, learning wow. things that I did not know. Why do we know R-I-P. this stuff, Dr. Cole? <laughs> I've watched a lot of Behind the Music. Yeah. Bring it back. I don't even listen bring to Bring it back. back. Bring it back. Bring back Behind the Music VH1. <laughs> Dr. Cole For and I will watch it. <laughs> I, I would watch that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if you want to learn more about our clinical work, the Telehealth Center, becoming a patient, if you know any single dolphins, yes, please let us know. Or yeah, dogs. Not dating dogs, right? No. Molly, you have a dog named Molly. We send it to Molly. Every pink league adoption league right now is crossing Holly's name off of the list. <laughs> oh, all right, you can learn it all at drwillcole.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.